week six of the sesh pod with Mark Page. Afternoon. Yep. Joe Gray. Hello. Brilliant. And Paul Sargeson. Say hello, Sarge. Hi! Cut that out. <laughs> we'll hear that. You won't hear that. We'll hear that. Um, yeah, how's your week been? You've had an interesting week, Mac. You've had someone looking at the acoustics of social, haven't you? Which is yeah, it's been it's been a good week. Uh, obviously, the week before I was a bit down with uh, with things, but this last week it's that Corona coaster. You know, you get on the low and then you come up on the high again. It's just con- consistent. <laughs> Did hey, you just make that it's up? True, isn't it? No, I've said it all. I've said it all. Yeah, <laughs> Corona coaster. Uh, so you, have you heard anyone? <laughs> and you and you heard it. Is it just me? No. I haven't heard anyone say it. That's ace, <laughs> Can we start again? No. All right, no, we'll go with it. We'll go with it. But yeah, it's been a bit of a corona coaster up and down every week. And like this last week's been an up week. Uh, been planning lots, you know, with with the venue itself, Social and Umber Street, planning stuff with Umber Street Sess, seeing if we can uh, do something later in the year. I mean, we're not going to confirm anything or go public with anything for a few weeks yet, but... We're being a bit more positive about things. And yesterday, as you say, we had an acoustician down at Social and he was looking at like the concrete walls that uh, frequent this venue. And uh, yeah, he's come up with some great solutions and uh, I think we're going to be gig ready come June. Your turn. Come on, you've got to come up with a word yeah, so Yeah, well, that's a good week. That's an interesting week, isn't it? Uh, are you, you You're still getting over the corona coaster. Yeah, you? <laughs> really. Do <still laughs> stop crying Literally now? crying. Um, <laughs> But that's that's interesting that you were talking before. You know the the mass and stuff that goes into acoustically treating a room. It's mental how much you know how how much detail you need to. Yeah, to, it's, it's to about softening softening the building really, and like dampening the walls. And uh, he was talking about diffusers and absorbers, and yeah, he, he taught us a few DIY tricks that we can use in here as well to keep the cost down. But no, we're confident we can uh, do something well and you know do something good. At social and make it the venue that we want it to become. You know, we want we've got an amazing lineup of uh, acts and bands booked in for when we do return. So, yeah, happy days. Brilliant, um, Joe. Your week? Uh, what have I been doing? I was recording last week, so we had two days in the studio with Johnny in York again, and then uh, yeah, filming a video tonight actually. So. Cool. We've got a la- we've got sort of a a video performance on the weekend with Lohama. Uh, with Taboo Sessions, which is only our second sort of video thing since the COVID train. Checking that one in. What do you think? Um, not as good, is it? I was going to ask you, Joe, because you've done a couple of them as well, haven't you? You've done mm-hmm. video performances. And, and you, Mac, I guess, with the live stream performances of last year, can uh, people have to perform in different ways with, with videos. And like we, Lohama, we've sort of been watching, like how we perform and how we're going to come across a bit more, you know, how we can keep it entertaining on a video rather than have an audience there. Do you feel weird doing those sort of things, Joe? Yeah, I they're absolutely do. terrifying. I hate every second of them. <laughs> um, it's probably easier doing, like, the live stream ones, like what we did for, obviously, Sesh, because you can treat it a bit more like a gig, and if there is any fuck-ups, you can uh, just move on and get on with it, I guess. But we've done, like, a few, like, recorded ones with Fever where, like, you were... You literally play the track like eight times in a row and then pick the best one. And it's like every sort of misfooting. And it's like, you're like, oh, stop it, we'll start again. And it's just like, that just does my head in because someone messes up. You know what I mean? Even if you get it perfect, somebody else is not happy. So, I mean, go back to when we started doing the live streams at Polar Bear. I was absolutely terrified as well. Despite sort of, you know, hosting and presenting, you know, live gigs 
for a number of years, I found it absolutely terrifying. I was out of my comfort zone completely. And if you remember the first couple of weeks, I was trying to learn the lines mm -hmm. and I was, I was so frightened doing it live. And it's when, the, when I stopped thinking about it and just treated it like a normal week, like, like a normal session night where you've got an audience of you know, people that you know and friends, that you, you know, friends in the crowd and you just relax. And when you relax and you're not reading off a of script, I just found it a lot more enjoyable. And I think as long as you come across positive and you come across excited, then the audience can sort of feed on that. It's when you're frightened and like, you know, staring at the camera like, you know, rabbit in the headlights or whatever. That's when the audience sort of pick up on that and think, oh, it's a bit dull and a bit boring, this, isn't it? And he looks frightened. And but it's not natural, though, is it? It shouldn't... No, it isn't natural. Anybody who is too good at that, you it, it, should it, be suspicious of him. It's definitely got me thinking about <laughs> presenters in a different way. Like, you know, when I see newscasters and, like, you know, TV presenters and people hosting shows, it gives... It's, it's made me realise what an incredible job that they do, mm. you know, to have that mental capacity to, like, perform on the spot live mm. and say the right things. I think the other thing as well, I'm guessing it's the same for you, like, if you're the band and you perform great, or obviously you get all your links spot on, equally, if there's any tech problems, that's out of your hands, isn't it? So it can go, you can think it's gone smoothly, yeah. and then afterwards, like, I remember mm. my dad on, like, hours was like, oh, there was a little bit in the middle where, like, the reverb was on. I was like, give us a day off, we did our best. Yeah. It is like <clears throat> the live ones. I think are more terrifying than the, you know we've done video sessions where you can watch it. You know, sort of listen back and go, okay, this is how. That, I'm hoping that's what Sunday's going to be, is we can sort of figure it out and and perform and make sure it looks right. Whereas the live ones are just, yeah, it's just all of it's. You know, we had the we had bull play, didn't we? And the the li we lost Wi-Fi, <laughs> so it's like those little bits. Uh, you know, they they had to deal with it and dealt with it real well. But oh. it's just a really awkward like transition to. I think the whole exercise though, doing the live streams, was a really good one. Like yeah. not just. I mean, we've touched on it before about you know all helping our mental health, but it it, it improved our skill uh, skill sets, didn't it? You know, it put us. It made us uncomfortable, which is a good thing sometimes, yeah. to feel uncomfortable and, and sort of, you know, learn to live with it. You still get that adrenaline as well for doing that. I, mm. You know, there's always an adrenaline to doing it, just like there was an adrenaline to putting live music on or being part of a band. It's just a different feel, mm. but you still definitely get something out of it. So, yeah. I mean, we're not, we're looking at the last couple of months of it, aren't we, really? Yeah. Um, hopefully. Let's hope so. Um, cool. Well, moving on to this week's new music. Um, We've had quite a, quite a few to look through over the past couple of weeks, um, and this week's been a good one as well. Starting with the Broken Orchestra, with Play to the Gallery. Gaslighting communities into believing each other, the enemy runs through the blood of the centuries. When everything is presented as binary, there's no space for the possibility things could be done differently. Is it possible to have dignity and be working poor? I don't know anymore, so better not ask. I'm better suited to simple manual tasks than sustained creative thought. I'm bored. So we've reviewed the Broken Orchestra already um, with a track called Tomorrow with Lynn Acton earlier on this year. Uh, they've moved on pretty swiftly and it's another collaboration with Joe Hakeem, um, who's an incredibly talented poet and, and sort of public speaker, I guess, from, from the city of Hull. Um, works with life, as we, as we know, on various bits and bits and bobs. Um, but this is a it's a it's a song that's very um present of now, if that makes sense. It talks politically um about lockdown, about coming out of lockdown, about pubs, about it's, it's very sort of uh 
sort of holding the mirror up to where we are right now, which isn't, you know, that it doesn't happen that often, I, I guess, within the whole music scene, that you have something that, that's a snapshot in time. So it's been, it was quite an interesting listen. Um, musically, it's spot on, really good. Um, sort of ebbs and flows, sort of has quite a lot of tense moments in it. Um, but you'd expect that from Broken Orchestra, that it would sound brilliant. Um, I guess my question to you is is quite a broad one, but politics within music, how important is it to have very politics? Important, very important. I mean, some of the best music's come through the subject of politics. Um, going, you know, I've listened to the track a few times. It's blown me away, to be fair. I, I listen to a lot of, you know, you know, you know me. I, I listen to a lot of K Tempest, and I've done for a number of years. And Joe is the voice of the common man in the city, and he, he speaks eloquently. He speaks with passion. His prose is very much on point, as you said. Um, I thought it took us on a journey that song. Like I thought the production is beautiful. I love the way it speeds up at the end, and I love the way it's. The first time I heard it, I felt as if it was taking me into this dark alley as it was getting sped up, you know, with Joe's prose, and then. Then he finished, and then Broken Orchestra just changed the tempo completely and put this like beat on it, and it, I just thought it was fantastic. I listened to it about three, four times last night. Amazing. I'm really impressed with that. And Joe Akeem, I mean, I've been impressed with him for years. I mean, we first came across him, I think he, he was the first poet to do anything at Sesh, and this is going back to Linton Lark days. And uh, he came through when spoken word wasn't really that big in the city, and like Joe sort of came through, and there was others doing it. But it, it made it, I wouldn't say so much commercial, but it, it took it into the mainstream a little bit more. And I think he's been working with BBC, uh, BBC Umberside. He's been hosting the Culture Show. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's really got his fingers on the pulse. And I'm a little proud to call him a friend, really. I think he's a, I think he's a great guy, Joe Akeem, and Broken Orchestra. We wax lyrical about them a lot, don't we? I say that because we like throwing that word, that term in. It's nice. But yeah, Broken Orchestra is sublime. Um, but politics, yeah. It, yeah. Is, it is important, definitely. It's a great platform to get messages across and get movements behind. And it's the only way we're going to, you know, especially with, like, young kids and that, you know, it's a way for them to relate to politics. Yeah. For them to think, you know, outside the box a little bit more and, and not think about themselves so much and think about the wider, sub, you know, the wider world. I think it's always interesting when you create a piece of music that is a bit of a snapshot of time and whether that relates in years to come. Mm. Um, but I think this one will. I think it'll, you know, it's been such a poignant year that you'll, it'll tra you know, it'll tra transport you back into this uh, mindset that we've all had. Um, but I think that's that's part of what makes it tricky with poli politics is er politics is always just a snapshot um, in time. And if, uh, you know, I think... It's good to try and so, so almost subconsciously m write in a way that means it's transferable mm. for a long period of time and something you can look back on and it still has that relevance. And there's certain bands that manage to do that. Um, any, anything to add on this one, Joe? You look uh, your politics. Well, I've, I, like I'm not against it. I think if you are going to do it, that you have truly got to believe in what it is you're shouting about, not yeah. just doing it for like easy exactly. point scoring, yeah. which I think can yeah. be an easy option sometimes. Yeah, we saw, we saw a lot of that in the last sort of five, six years. A lot of bands were sort of becoming more and more socially aware, which is fantastic. But then sometimes it, it didn't come across that believable. Like, you know, you're thinking, hold on, you're, you're 19, mm. 20 years old and you're talking about subjects that you've, you haven't really lived yet. You know? yeah. And that's not patronising. But I think that is the case. You know, it, it's good for bands to be socially aware. 
but they've they've got to be knowledgeable about it. Exactly. Yeah, you know, and not just do it to to win points, really. I think like obviously most most people in the arts are lefty inclined, and like you're not you're not saying anything, but anybody's already not thinking. If you know what I mean, like that's my only argument. But it's a it's a very good argument too. Um, <coughs> I just want to uh, shout out to. I went to Off the Road. I've only been like three times, but all three times I went for the poetry night, like spoken word, and it was just just so many kids that are obviously going to Wyke and and uni, like just doing great poetry. And again, like you said, it maybe years ago wasn't as prevalent, but it definitely seemed like there was a a, a I lot. I think of it's always been that. I mean, yeah. it's always been in music and in the arts, mm-hmm. most definitely going right back, you know, probably going right back to the day. It's always had its place yeah. in the arts, but I think it's become more prominent in the last, you know, 10 years, I'd say, with the way the government's uh, dealing with things. Moving on. <laughs> to, um, so I want to quickly talk about Easy Life um, with a track called Skeletons. Uh, the reason I'm um, focusing on Easy Life, they're a band that never played Sesh, um, to be fair. But um, a band that we really wanted to play sure. Sesh for many times from the very get-go with their original, uh, with their first single, um, Pockets. Um, yeah, we, we we were a big fan. And and this song is sort of evolving into sort of a, more of a, I guess, more of a... A, a club feel like it's quite a relaxed chilled r&b feel again which is we know is something easy life can do really well but it just seems uh accessible for radio a really big chorus um i guess i the i just want to wax lyrical about him and just go back to it thanks for it you've got joe you're next it's not gonna happen you can't just chuck it straight in there well give it some time um just going back to the shows that we saw him we saw him at great escape didn't we at what like t- two in the morning and then we saw him at uh, live at Leeds, and we saw a band, trans, you know, already transforming from, you know, a small room to a big room. Play, you know, I think it was absolutely packed at live at Leeds at Brudenell. And, and we can hold the room as well, can't he? Yeah. Lead singer, he, he holds the room really well. He's quite controversial at times, but like he does, he holds the room and he, he energises the room. You know, he's a force to be reckoned with. Like, Easy Life Pockets was like a big song at Sesh. We, I mean, I played it pretty much every week for about six months. It's so catchy. And I just thought they were going to blow up massive when we saw them at Great Escape. And I suppose, you know, with the pandemic and everything, there's still time for them to blow up big, big. But we did have a chance to have them at Sesh. And we only found out about it sort of five, six years later. It was through uh, the guys out the talks. They were really good friends with Easy Life in an earlier earlier sort of... uh, I don't know whether it was, whether they were known as Easy Life then or whether they were another band, but the Talks were really good friends with them and played with them in the session, and we never took that opportunity to book them in. I think it was before you sort of probably mm, helping us you. with Sesh, but so it was John's fault. Is yeah, that John's fault. <laughs> <laughs> John. But now nah, they're a band that I, I really wish we could have got into Hull, and same with the festival. We've looked at them a few times to bring them into Umber Street Sesh, but unfortunately, uh, budgets don't allow. Well, they're a big artist now, yeah. And like I said, we saw him at 2 a.m. in that small... I can't remember where it was in Brighton, but it was packed on it. And they only played like four songs, I think, due to care for you, maybe. And then, yeah, by the time they played Live at Leeds the next year, it was... So, like, Live at Leeds was mental, wasn't it? Was it? Packed it was packed at Brunel, absolutely. Yeah, it was just Brudenel. too hot. I think we lasted like three songs before going outside because it was just too There far too many people yeah. in that room. You couldn't <laughs> yeah. move at all. Yeah. It was awful. 
Um, but a great band. And, and moving on to um, someone else who almost played um, Session hasn't yet, and that's Kitty with Heart on Crack. I'm not even mad at you. So Kitty is someone that I don't know if you remember this. Are you looking at me funny? I hate it when you look at me funny. Well, no, I'm just... <laughs> this you isn't t- live, don't worry, go That's on. That's right. You, t- you told me to check out these artists' new tracks of that, and you just put Kitty down. So I went looking for Kitty VR. Oh, uh, wrong Kitty. And then I came here today, and oh, earlier when you said I Kitty. said to you, I can't find Kitty VR's new single, or I can listen. All I've heard is, like, Whirlpool and what she's done before. And I had this, you know, idea of what I was going to say about Kitty, because, you know, she's Kitty VR. I was going to say, she's sublime and beautiful and, you know, beautiful human, great artist. And now you're telling me it's someone totally different. It is totally, it's someone ah. totally different. Um, but if we can think of any other people also called Kitty that we can shout out, we'll just keep, we'll just <laughs> keep on a rolling theme. Um, but, yeah, well, Kitty was someone who, uh, I think she originates from France, and she came in maybe the last... Maybe over Christmas, New Year, before the pandemic, and said, could I play Sesh? And I said, yes. And then I I don't think she was ready live yet. I think it was going to be sort of a backing track sort of deal. Um, But she's released this single this week called Heart on Crack. And it's um, previous stuff was sort of like Lana Del Rey. Um, It was more like the more um, poppier version of... Amy Duncan, if that makes any sense. So whereas, like, Amy Duncan has that element of country and stuff and has gone more that way and sort of acoustic, um, Kitty has, like, a real pop element. Um, and, but she's moved on from Lana Del Rey to almost, like, um, like sort of got Grimes elements um, through this one. Um, but, yeah, an out-and-out pop track, which is different against someone like Charlotte, who we'd class as someone who's... You know, got a, an amazing voice. Vocally, is very sort of Adele vibe. Whereas this is very much like if you, it, it's ready for Radio One, like we said with with Cameo last week. Um, which leads me to a question of: Do you think we've got more artists that are geared up for Radio One and pop artists than in previous years? So if you took 2012 Summer Street Sesh, which was very guitar dominated, most probably, um, do you think we're in a do you think that's the biggest difference from that then till now is like sort of that pop element and different genres? Yeah, I think that diversity's come to the forefront a lot more in the last you know few years. I think, I mean, that's the general vibe we get when we go down to like Great Escape each year. Each year we go down there, and one year it'd just be all female singer songwriters. The next year it'd be just grime everywhere. The next year you go down there, and it's all like neo soul, and 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 we know it will filter around the country, whether it takes you know six months, twelve months, eighteen months. And I think we're finding that now in Hull that artists are starting to look outside the box a little bit more and like looking at what's been done before and thinking, well, let's try and do something different, listening to their peers currently, you know, on radio and that. They are, you know, we've, we've, we've talked about Eric Eric Dimmock with what he's doing, Lucy Tessier, what she's been doing, what Broken Orchestra we know can do. And then you've got artists like Cameo and Shader and, you know, the, we have got some diversity in this city now, which is, you know, is fantastic and that's always been what we, you know, we wanted to achieve with Session, with Hall Music itself, is to have that diversity, that eclecticity, eclecticity, can't even say it. But uh, we're getting there. 
and I think there is quite a lot of bands now and artists in the city that are ready to be played on Radio 1. Mm. I mean, we could go through a list of artists quite easily. There's a, there's a good dozen, I'd say, in the city that could quite easily hold their own on Radio 1. Definitely. No problem. You think like they've just got to be more savvy in terms of it's that hard to try and make a living off it. It's like you've got like even in conscious about like radio edits and stuff, aren't we? Which maybe we wouldn't have done, you know, a couple of years ago. It's just like that's the track. Whereas now it's like what's going to give it the best chance to. It's a good point. That I mean, go through the tracks that you sent over this week for us to review. When you check them out on Spotify, there's always like a a radio edit. Mm, So you know people are thinking that way, which is good. Brilliant. not just worth mentioning um Sarge is also part of part of those those great great artists that are coming out over the past couple of years. Um I just just gotta chuck him in on me. Got no, but I thought it was a good link. No, it was a great yeah, thank you. Yeah. Um we've, we've we've said a lot about Sarge, but it's a great song and um if you get a chance to have a listen. Uh, Mac, did you want to say anything about yeah, Sarge? Yeah, I want to talk about Sarge's new single. Go on then. I think it's a radar because yeah. he's not marketing prom- promo. You don't really push it that much. But this last single, I thought Loose. I thought the beat did it get a bit faster towards the end a little bit? No, <laughs> but I know I know the beats were quite simple, but the 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 vocals were just absolutely sublime and real, just sexy again. I've got to say that word, Sarge's sex. I'm sorry, but that's, like that's... D'Angelo, Omar, you know some of those great sort of soul artists of the sort of early '90s and that. And I think it really is in point on point right now with what's being put out there. So congratulations, Sarge. I think it's a fantastic single. I don't know whether you're going to work any more on those beats and the production of it, but the, the vocals are superb. Well, me and Joe just left the room and came back. I'm guessing it's. I'm guessing the, you two have made yeah, out by now. Yeah, we sat on the couch still. Yeah. But um, you know those simple beats that I love it. I think those are cool. Like the little. I think that's cool. That's really like. It's got like a real toy vibe about it, which which is I think is very good. Very good, Sarge. Um, the vocals for me. And the vo- vocals. Oof. And the music is like also... like golden syrup. <laughs> 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 Moving on to our um, featured artist, I guess. It was Archive, and now it's it's featured artist. Um, but again, another artist that hasn't played Sessions yet. Um, today we're going to talk about Downtown Coyote. I move. Jump on the beat and now I'm going to sell the blues. Running away and killing the time when he moves. I waste no time. I'm not even online. No time. Just smile. So I don't doubt what it isn't. I moved out, pulled down like jeans for a living. And I don't care about no nine to five. So my hands stripping all overtime. I would tell you now, but this heart of mine. I would rather fall than just fall in line. I walk with you, but it's much too late. Who the hell is trying to talk when I'm trying to eat my plate? But what did I do with all that? Damn, could you say what you said? Nigga like Regardless, baby, tell me what it feels like. No, is it the one that I can't hold? I was stuck in my mind. Regardless, baby, tell me what it feels like. No, is it the one that I can't hold? I was stuck in my mind. I'd like to wax lyrical about uh, oh, God. an artist who I know we're all really big fans of, which is Downtown Coyote. 
A little bit of backstory for you. Although he released his first single, Source, back in 2017, it wasn't until 2019's Pink Boy EP that he really sort of came to my attention and sort of friends of mine. Uh, as well, include my personal favourite track to date, which is called Four Wheels. Since then, he's gone on to release singles such as Feels Like and Do Better, which have been championed by the likes of BBC Introducing and Radio 1. His most recent release is with a track called Rocks back in December 2020, and we're now eagerly, eagerly waiting his next move. So I guess what I want to talk about was the fact that Obviously, sort of genre blares like contemporary R&B and hip hop, which like for me probably isn't something that I'd naturally have like found had it not been for Alex Fish of Slow Days fame recommending him to me. Um, I think I like it purely because it's just like great pop music and it's just like really good sort of melodies and interesting production, more so than me viewing it as like, oh, I'm really listening to some out of my genre. Um, obviously, he's still only sort of 19 or 20, and as you've alluded to, he's not yet played the sesh due to the last year. I'm sure he would have done. I think he surpassed that. <laughs> I think he, he went straight past that. Yeah, I was just sort of wanting to ask you two what sort of caught your imagination about him and what do you think his potential is for the future? Huge potential. Huge. I mean, you can see the way he got picked up quite quickly, and I think uh, BBC were all over him straight away, and then Freedom Festival, like given that platform, I think, in 2019 as well. Or was it 2020 he did the live stream for Freedom, was it? I think it, it was 2020. Yeah. But, I mean, we yeah. watched that and we were blown away. I mean, I'd heard rumours live that he, w he was still learning his craft and he was a long way from sort of headlining or whatever, like a main stage. And then we saw what he did at Freedom on the live stream and it was fancy. It, it was pretty special. And I was like, wow. And Dan and I have talked a lot about him now and, you know, we're very keen to see what his next moves are. And, yeah, I'd love to get him involved with the festival. Anyway, I'd love to get him involved with whatever we do. But um, musically, yeah, it, it's on point. It's, you know, we talked about it last week. You, you hear this music on Radio 1 on a regular basis and it fits in so well and, you know, it wouldn't sound out of place on there. And mm. Very good. I think it's um, rare that somebody comes out so like fully formed for radio as well. Whereas mm. normally it's like you come out and it might take you two years to get to that point. Whereas from the start, he's sounded ready. Still got. I mean, I'm always going to be neg negative about the auto tune thing because it's just not for me. But that that's I'm a 51 year old you know old guy. Like it's not meant for me. So you know, positively, you know, it's fantastic. It's on point. It's great for radio. It's great for for the city of Hull to have an artist like this, like him, within the scene. But the auto tune thing on vocals, I just I don't get it myself. I don't know what your take on that. Um, I guess it's not as prevalent on some other tracks. I uh, I think a track like feels like feels like the the verses are just insanely good, like just so good. Um, and obviously, there's no trace of autotune when he's when he's. Um, Is it the new single rocks where? Yeah, I think he does it more on there. Yeah. Um, but I guess it's it's uh, it's uh, he's uh, mix he mixes it up. I guess with each track, it sounds slightly different, but it gives a different flavor of what he's what he's going to be, which is I think like a really inc encouraging and exciting artist. Um, it is interesting how. I think I, I said it to Emily Pilbin this week. She sent me a track of Downtown Coyote first, and I w she sends me so like maybe three or four tracks, and I do listen. But then you know, while we were not in lockdown mode, it's very hard. You know, we get another th twenty or thirty acts recommended each week, I guess. So it's hard to keep up in it, and then try and juggle actual work and listening and stuff. There's another but artist we need to have a look at who first came on the scene probably about twelve years ago uh, is Drag. 
drag's still, you know, still out there making oh, music, and we haven't really touched on drag. And like, he has sent some details over. He wants to uh, update the website and everything, his profile and that. Oh, but nice. he's been quite prolific of late, and I think we should do a review on drag soon. He's okay. another artist that's sort of, you know, flying that R&B sort of urban sound in the city. Cool. I, I guess um, one of um, one of downtown Kaya's biggest things is is, is uh, visually is just seems to be nailing it. Like uh, feels like it's probably my favorite music video. Looks the part, doesn't he? Yeah. Looks the it part. Just, Dresses yeah. well. Yeah, everything looks great. It's got the like style it's, bang yeah. on. Um, which is a big big part of it, I guess. It, yeah. Again, like it was it was that thing we said with Oedipus the King. A, a very, mm. a very completely different genre, but someone that came out visually looks great, sonically was amazing, and and it's always like perplexing when someone comes out and is just amazing and and very yeah. jealous. He's definitely got that element about him, and and I think there's lots of things potentially behind the scenes which which will benefit him and and help him progress, um, and whether we can nick him to play something sesh related needs to be sooner rather than later. I, I think. Hope so. Yeah. I really hope so. Hope we can do something with him, you know, this year. Brilliant! I think that's that's uh, that's a wrap. Um, so next week um, we'll talk about Bryn Stag, Sense and Maybe we'll have a little chat about drag. I think we're going to have to, now, aren't we? I think we should. Yeah.